Welcome to Books and Rhymes, the podcast that makes you fall in love with reading while flipping the script with a musical twist on your favourite books. I invite guests to pair books with songs or albums that spark the same emotional connection. I'm your host, Sarah, a West African in the diaspora with a deep abiding love for the written word. Join me as I take you on a musical journey through the works of new and classic authors. Follow Books and Rhymes on Twitter and Instagram. Tweet your thoughts on this episode using the hashtag Books and Rhymes. Today's episode concludes our special one-to-one interviews with the shortlisted writers for the 2020 AKO Kane Prize for African Writing. Today's guest is Johor Ile, a Nigerian writer and a visiting professor at West Virginia University. Fisherman Stew is an intimate, otherworldly, haunting, beautiful romantic story that I recommend you read and you can find this story at kaneprize.com. We use the music of Felakuti, Shade, Lauren Hill, Nina Simone, Onyeka Owenu, Cardinal Rex Lawson and more as selected by Johor to discuss food as an expression of love in his story, The Fisherman's Stew. We also explore the process of conveying intimacy in his writing. We also discuss his decision to reflect older women in romantic relationships and Johor's writing habits. The winner of this year's AKO Ken Prize will be announced online today, 27th of July. The event is free and open to all. Visit KanePrize.com for more details. The shortlisted stories are available to read online via the Kane Prize website. Keep up to date with Johor Ilay's work by following him on Instagram and Twitter at Johor Ilay, that's Johor, J-O-W-H-O-R-I-L-E. So that's at J-O-W-H-O-R-I-L-E on Twitter and Instagram. His book and After Many Days is available for purchase. Thank you so much. Enjoy the conversation. Hello, Joho. Hello, hello. I was excited to do this because um, when I just saw it was music, you know, and books, I was like, yeah, for sure. You know, <laughs> you know, um, I wasn't sure exactly if I was going to be fun or not interesting, but um, it sounded like a, like a fun idea. And um, I'm really into the things that give me pleasure these days. So um, here we are. <laughs> hey, when you, you got my list of questions, what was your first mm-hmm. thought? My first thought? Yeah, how did you? So imagine you got the email. I'm always, I'm, I'm very much about how people receive information. So you got right, the email. Right, so it's right. one thing to be like books and music, and then you saw the list of questions and the required answers from you. Um, so what? How did you process the questions that were sent, and how did you go about pairing each answer with a song? I think um, I pro- I'm not sure exactly how, but. Probably I was scrolling down reading and I was like, well, like, hmm. <laughs> 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 you know, that's the first, you know, and um, no, but I liked the questions. Um, it also just gave me a chance to, to think about, you know, just kind of actually just really think about the story, you know, honestly and think of what I was thinking about, you know, and, or how would I pair it? And, um, yeah, it was fun to do. Um, and of course, I, I think the part of me that is, um, the kind of geeky part of me wanted to like be really exact, you know, like as if there's like a correct 
I like to be, I like being correct, you know. <laughs> I see there's one correct song somewhere in my, you know, um, that matches it. And, and then I had to I relax. I said, you know what, just make a fun pit playlist, you know. Um, last night, um, just so you know how, you know, obsessive I can get, you know, when I want to do something. Last night I was about to send you an email just like to change like five songs. And I realized that that's kind of like everything. I was like, of course, I didn't think about this seriously. Definitely, this is a song that should have been that. This is a song that should have been that. Um, <laughs> and I've had, I've had two friends. Remy made a playlist for Fisherman's Stew, and um, some DJ, um, electronic um, EDM sort of um, DJ in, Lake, in, in Abuja, made a playlist. Ooh. And uh, I have another, so there are three playlists that have been sent to me now on Spotify, you know. So I'm, you know, um, I'm feeling pretty special about that. So what is it about your song? What, sorry, what is it about the um, Fisherman's Stew that you think inspires people to curate a playlist to the story? Two answers. Maybe it just happened. Maybe um, um, Remy, who made a playlist for the other stories and the, uh, the other writer uh, stories on the shortlist, maybe that was really the cartoon. So, so maybe we should thank Remy for doing that. Um, but then it's also true that you know Fisherman's Stew has got you know it has three playlists at, at, at the moment. And sometimes I think about I think about writing, I think about stories, and I think about novels. Um, also in terms of song. What is it about the Fisherman's Stew that inspires people to curate a playlist to it? And you were saying that there are three existing playlists at the moment. Lucky you, one story. Three playlists. Wow. Um, it's very gratifying. It's really gratifying. I think <laughs> I don't want to say anything scandalous, but um, I really rate having three plays on Spotify for that story more than you know. Um, yeah, that's that's like my that's 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 a huge achievement. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm I love playlists, and uh, I used to like mixtapes. So, um, so yeah, I was, I was singing and dancing about that. Music is, you know, it's important to me. It's something uh, that nourishes me, that, you know, I have fun with. It's, you know, it's around me all the time. And um, often I'll think about music and not, you know, in a way matching them with story, but just as another art form, you know, what's the And they're stories, you know, they're also they're ways of, of telling, of expressing emotion. Funny because I had this conversation when um, the DJ who made that, um, the other, um, playlist you know sent me a message on on, uh, on instagram to say that you know that he often while he's making a you know, playlist for me that he often thinks about stories so my question then to you is do you do, do you have music in your mind when you're writing given that you've said that you are a musical kind of person that music plays a huge part basically in your um, in your life so when you're writing is there a, is there a like a musical undertone to your writing um no, not that I'm conscious of. Just the way everyday life, you know, um, inspires you or informs your mind, even in ways that we're not um, kind of we're not conscious. You know, so I'm sure music affects me, but I'm not. It's not something I use um, mm. to approach writing. Um, music doesn't. I think I listen to music with um, sort of full attention. So oh. I can't, I can't, um, yeah, I'm that person. Actually, sometimes I sit and I listen, you know. It sounds like 
you listen to music the way people read books in that people read books very um, attentively whereas you listen to music very attentively so I sent you five separate categories and I'm really excited at your your um, song pairings where people gave me <laughs> where people gave me one song Johor was like one who's got time for one please nah -uh. nah -uh. In this house, sorry, we no. strive for perfection. In this house, now that's where, that's where you should have known that there was trouble because I'd say, you know, I put one, I go like, that's just not enough, you know. <laughs> I couldn't decide, and I'm like, you know, deadline send, you know. Um, yeah, my life is very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Says the man with a with a view of a lovely river. And hello, please. I, know, but I, can't, I can't pick one song. It has to be two, and you know. The next day, I'll just say, I'm going to make another. I'm going to make another playlist. You know, that's um, that you know, that correct. You know, the right representation of this. You know, I mean, why do it if you can't do it? You know, if you can't be honest, if you can't be true, it's just such a thing. You know, <laughs> and you forget. It's like you're forgetting that this is the arts, and in the arts, <laughs> there is no true right or wrong answer. The answer is I you know, know what? right. Yeah. I mean, that, that I mean that that defense was kind of broken down, you know, decades ago. But here we are. As in, you know, you know, like my favorite quote in literature when mm -hmm. I'm just a quote that sort of inspires me when I'm just like, uh, when Polonius was advising his son and is set in mm -hmm. um, Hamlet and he said to him, mm -hmm. to thine own self be true, you know, yeah. that is yeah. just my, that's my quote. It's like, to thine own self be true. So when you are curating your playlist, does it work for you? Yes. Okay. If it doesn't work for you, ask yourself more questions. Why does it not work for me? you know i mean it works I, I i suppose that you know you can always have more i know and um i mean they're all songs i love you know and that uh, you, you know what i mean so i'm not bringing out things from anyway but i'm just um there are also other songs and since you're since you're quoting hamlet i can also if if i might use um you know, quote 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 there our uh our magnificent the A word. I just say the A word when I want to say Achebe. Because, you know. <laughs> I told you, Rocco Tree. <laughs> see, you see what you are in a way. You see, you see from your position. Um, that's just what it is. So for you to see differently, you have to do that work of moving or to have a different pers perspective or have revelation. I don't know how people come to to see differently. You know. Um, but that's what's happening and that's what has to happen. And um, but um, you know, everyone can always mention a chebe because everyone knows a chebe. You know, and they just throw the name around, you know, um, and find connections that, you know, and of course now I am someone who adores and respects that they go read a chebe all the time, you know. That's arrow of God, you know. Sometimes I just read it just so I can say, oh, you know, that's how to do it, you know. Um and then I, I find myself just resenting. I just want to say, hey, can you use that name? If you're going to say something about it, that it be something that, you know, just be that, you know, I must, I must tick the A word, you know, that, you know, but can you just, can you, can you, can you show some reverence? Right? <laughs> can you show some reverence? I can you know what you are saying, you know, um, I'm not mentioning their names. <laughs> <laughs> The first question I asked you was, which book or story or song inspired you to write The Fisherman's Stew? 
and pair your inspiration with a song that sparks the same emotional connection? Oh, so that question, the way you asked it was so specific. <laughs> now, now that we've been chatting for a while, you can now understand that okay, well, I've read it and I've raised an eyebrow. Like, which story? I'm like, definitely. And I, you know, when I was, I was, you know, if I'm in a quarrel somewhere, I go like, oh, definitely she knows that it's a story, a book, or a song that has inspired this story. And now I'll have to do is provide that story. <laughs> you know, um, and then I take a deep breath and I say, Johor, be well behaved. <laughs> no, um, it wasn't, I can't think of any particular, and it's not a book story or song. Um, well, at least the stories that I inspire, some of these stories are from real life stories, you know, things I've seen happen, things uh, you know, I've seen in the world. And, uh, and as I said earlier, um, just some of the stories I heard um, when I was growing up, you know, about, you know, that just revealed another worldview, you know, um, people's relationships with each other and, um, you know, in a larger sense with the world. Thankfully, I, um, I wasn't raised in an environment where, you know, it's kind of like, you know, say, oh, that's superstition or something ridiculous like that. Or, but instead to to understand, to see it, what it is, you know, and um, I wanted to honor that, you know, I remember that, you know, that morning where and I was eavesdropping to someone telling my parents a story, you know, news had come from the village, you know, somebody had died and, you know, she was slapped by her father who, what I realized down the street, like, had died, you know, a decade, you know, earlier. And, um, and I was young, I was probably seven or eight or something, you know, and and, and I was thinking a lot of um, Cardinal Rick Lawson, you know, because I love high life music. And because Fisherman, also I was thinking about Fisherman's Stew. It's kind of a staple, it's a delicacy in the Niger Delta in Port Harcourt. It was really the landscape I wanted to honor when I was thinking of that playlist. I picked the Brecht Lawson, I just love Rick Lawson because for me, it just brings that. Um, just a sense, you know, music does that. When I hear like Rex Lox, I just kind of feel I'm back at home. I feel I'm in Port Harcourt and there's something that might just be an ordinary Saturday afternoon, you know, people are enjoying, you know, just an ordinary day. Or it could be a wedding, or it could also be a funeral. All of these things bring people together. And, um, And I thought about um, Lauren Hill and uh, that album, first of all, was like very important to me when miseducation of, of, of Lauren Hill. So, I mean, I'm a... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Kind of the 90s, in the sense that okay, that's when you know I was, I was listening to music. So when that album came out, I know I got the, I got the CD. Yes. Did you have a disc man? Well, of course, it's Sonny Dixman that you know could fit into my baggy jeans. Yes. So, but, you, know, <laughs> you know, you just had to worry about batteries. You know, we knew what kind yes. of batteries for Duracell and all of this. But when you do, you want to make them last long. You know, you. If you're listening to the album 20 times a day, that's not how to keep your batteries working, you know. <laughs> but um, that, um, she featured um, D'Angelo uh, in that album, and that was the era of um, New Soul, you know, um, Lauren Hill, and Andrew Stone, Maxwell, you know, uh, Raphael Sadiq. I think this have to feature you know another artist in the album it's you know it's also a story it also has story in it actually now i'm just thinking about it you know the writing is beautiful and then you have lauren and d'angelo just um just doing their thing and so so it's a beautiful beautiful beautiful, beautiful. Oh, now the skies could fall not even if my boss should call the world it seems so very small Completely romantic, you know, head in the sky, nothing even matters, you know. But I dig it. <laughs> it's about 20 years now since I came back. How does Barabotti by Cardinal Jim Rex Lawson and Nothing Even Mart Matters by Lauren Hill featuring D'Angelo, how do these two songs feed into your story, The Fisherman's Stew? Um, Rex Lawson. For the landscape, for the certain context, you know, um, because I hear Rex Lawson and I think of home. I hear Rex Lawson and um, and I think of um, yeah, and I just think of the, the culture I grew up in. I'm from you know the Niger Delta. I'm from a place that's close to the coast. You know, that's why we have fishermen too. Fishermen, you know, we fish is um, you know, people. There are people I know, people who. Um, you know, who make a distinction between, you know, uh, freshwater fish and, uh, and saltwater fish. You know, mm -hmm. I one of uh, my friend's cousins who came all the way from Bonnie to visit us in Port Harcourt, you know, he would kind of look down and say, oh, look at this freshwater fish, that like he wouldn't need it. So this is a place where fish is, you know, it's an important part of people's life, that you can make that distinction and, you know, have some kind of fish snobbery, you know, that, oh, I can only <laughs> eat fish from saltwater fish you know don't bring this upland freshwater thing to me you know um and rex lawson really um also just shows everyone in there we all enjoy rex lawson you know and um just an important part of daily life of celebration and um it evokes for me just um just the landscape you know people food if i had to make a playlist for fishermen to you know rex lawson has to be you know first on the list, or at least among first on the list, you know. Um, I just love Rex, so that's what I'm trying to say. I listen to Rex saying, you know, um, you know, every other day. So yeah, and um, 
Lauren Hill because um, because that's how to do a love song, in my opinion, you know, and um, and in that particular song, you had you know you have um, both the lover and the beloved, you know, um, responding, speaking to each other. And um, it's beautiful syncopation. It's just like, you know, just a cool vibe. It's a cool song, you know. Um, what I'm saying is that I, I, I put the song there because I really enjoyed it. And then I'm, <laughs> playing, I'm, I'm looking for the reasons why, you know. <laughs> I'm asking, you know, why are we not listening to, you know, Baby Sawale right now? You know, that's how, that's, <laughs> you know, when I, when, I, when I moved to a neighborhood, you know, I, I placed on Rex Lawson and opened the windows, you know, so they oh know. Oh my gosh, it's like, I'm here. <laughs> they, they, know, they know what's going to be happening, you know. They're like, oh, okay, he's moved in. <laughs> I'm not okay. asking until that's <laughs> No, they're beautiful songs, and they're songs about community. They're songs about bringing people together. And one, the Lauryn Hill and D'Angelo is just a beautiful, beautiful mm -hmm. love song that you know you can enjoy. You know, and yeah, mm -hmm. that's why I thought. Of and the thing about that song, "Nothing Even Matters," is that they're finishing each other's sentences. Oh yeah. So oh, Lauryn yeah. sings one bit, one line. D'Angelo completes the sentence. So D'Angelo starts his sentence, Lauren Hill completes it, and then the refrain, nothing even matters. They just, it's, there's an echo. There is a very- They were, they, 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 were, they were cooperating, they were cooperating, you know. Yes. They were cooperating, you know. Yes, it's just, it's a lovely synergy in that They were, they were, they were, they were not watching each other around. <laughs> <laughs> so I asked you to prepare an excerpt from your story to read to our listeners. So if you could please read the excerpt that you prepared. Merci beaucoup. <laughs> it was a little before five when she stepped out of the house and into the street. The sky over Eliozu was alive with an orange light. The slanted rusty roofs of the houses downhill splintered like gold. With her shopping bag in hand, she closed the gate quietly behind. Alabo's sky blue Nissan Sony was shimmering at the gate and blocking the entrance. Finally back from the mechanic after three solid months of delayed salary. Alabo had complained about the dire state of things, the cost of a new engine block, and the craftiness of motor mechanics. Nimi made a mental note to call in later to salute him, to greet his family, and to thank God with them that things turned out fine. Chitro sat on a high stool in front of his DVD store watching two other men play drafts, the pieces sliding and spilling noisily on the wooden board. Out on the main road, Nimi turned towards the market. It was that time just before nightfall, when people were on their way home from work, when the air darkened and the figures milling in the markets and the streets may not be people at all. Her eye caught an ice cream man pedaling on his bicycle. He was done for the day, no bell ringing, no driving the children mad with want. She was awake to her own footfalls, to the bright green and yellow headscarf on the woman walking ahead. To the rising moment of them approached, and to the cars tooting their horns, bitling along in the rush hour traffic. 
She weaved her way through the crowd, sidestepped puddles, stared clear of the man pushing a wheelbarrow loaded with sacks of onions and grunting, chants, chants. The stalls at the very end of the market were the ones she wanted. Crabs in woven baskets were clacking away and waving their claws. The giant snails gliding in open buckets and rows and rows of tables were laid out with tilapia, brown snapper, frozen mackerel wrenched out of misty cartons, silver sides and bonga, mud skippers fresh from the river, bulgy eyed, trashing on the table and gasping for breath. The mist stopped to admire a heaped bowl of peppers, blemish free, slender and green. I was actually quite happy that you picked that part of the story to read because you were just talking earlier about, you know, Potakot, um, the salt the salt water fish versus the freshwater fish. And the the part where you read now kind of just situates me in a market when you speak about homesickness you know, this part that you read just transports, well, for me, it feels like I am home. So I want to ask you this question about the stew, the fisherman's stew, right? Because the story is tied to the fisherman's stew. And this is a story, in my opinion, aside from the many ways in which one can analyze and classify the themes of this particular story, for me, it is about longing, you know? It's, it's, it's about longing and the, the stew then becomes a portal with which our antagonist um, bridges the gap between herself and her beloved, you know? So, oh, wow. That's beautiful. <laughs> so hearing you, you read about the process that our protagonist, Nimi, goes through to acquire the ingredients with which she's going to make this, this culinary delight, you know, for someone whom she's waiting on. Um, to me, it, it seems like this stew, this dish has been elevated to a mythological status. Why? Why? What is it about the fisherman's stew that evokes this story for you? Or to put it more simply, why did you choose to title your story The Fisherman's Stew? And what is the power of the fisherman's stew in bridging the gap between the supernatural and the natural? That's a really interesting question. Now, um, <laughs> I'll always preface it by saying it's hard to know just on the side of, you know, writing this, of, you know, of, with process, um, but that things are not always, when it's happening, you know, I'm not always conscious of why. And because, you know, I do events, like you have to actually then think about it. I think because it happens to me in a more instinctive way that, you know, you know, you have, to, you have to ask, you know, you have to ask my, my therapist. But my conscious mind is thinking that um, it's also the idea of, um, of making something, of preparing something um, for someone you love or someone you desire, you know, and um, because food is also sharing. See, I can tell you, 
I can bring a nice theory for it, but really I think um, it's just what it means to me that um, it's, it's a dish we enjoy. And uh, maybe in some way, it's also a dish that um, most people in that region can claim. And I wanted, I, want, I just really wanted to, I wanted to locate it in place. And, um, mm. And Nimi was, um, the character herself was um, a River Rhine person. Mm -hmm. And uh, what do River Rhine people eat? You know, they, they eat fish, you know, and fisherman stew is the kind of dish that will accept, it will accept anything from the water. So you can have with fish and oysters, you just, you know. Um, actually, now you're thinking about it. I, I, so when I was writing this story, I actually wanted to bring in um, just the idea of people uh, of somebody, a fisherman who, at the end, by the morning time when they when they come in, they make a stew just by just by the shores, you know, and they put in everything, you know, and um, but there was no need to explain that, so mm -hmm. it was, you know, that was the part that got away. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I mean, those those were the things I was thinking about, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I like that the statement you made that fisherman stew does not discriminate. You know, no, that, no, it will uh, accept anything. Yeah, that anything can be used. You know, it's just kind of soups, you know, whatever, you know, people make anything after, <laughs> after a feast, you know, you get everything, the bones, you know, just so, you know, chuck it in. It's mm. good for the soul. <laughs> now to use that as a metaphor, that fisherman who does not discriminate, anything goes in and it turns out into a beautiful, ethereal, otherworldly, dish in the context of your story mm -hmm. let's contrast everything goes in right <laughs> into this this pot your writing of the story is quite clean mm -hmm. it is uncomplicated and it just reads so easily so effortlessly from beginning all the way to the end Talk us through your, your process of making this dish. If, if everything goes in to the fisherman's stew, your writing seems like everything came out. It seems very lean, very clean. So how do you contrast the philosophy of the fisherman's stew where everything goes in and, mm. the, and the outcome of your writing, which is stripped and lean? Yeah, um, maybe I should qualify this. It's the kind of dish where uh, that everything can go in. So I think part of that is also just um, a kind of resistance to prescription. You know, it's not the kind of dish someone will say, oh, you can only have this and this and this in it. You know, you can have dry fish in it with fresh, you know, um, with fresh crabs. Like, it's really up to you. It's about what you have, you know, and... Um, of course you of course you choose you know she Nimi, that she chose you know the condiments she wanted to have in it you know even if you can have this and this you might just want only this and um for the writing process yes i like i like writing that's i don't know lucid thing um i rewrite a lot um, I wrote this, as you said, I wrote this story three years ago, and um, 
you know, and I put it away. And then I brought it out later and, you know, and I walked on it. And I, and I think maybe just at the backbone, I, I wanted it to be smooth. I wanted, I hoped, you know, when I was um, aspiring really highly, I wanted it to be the kind of story that, you know, that you could inhale in one reading mm. and still think about. Actually, um, my most um, sort of, I, I wanted, actually wanted it to, to have that ease that a song can have. Mm. Um, and I, but I wanted it to be rooted in something real. I wanted it to be rooted in something happening. But, um, but yes, you said it's about longing. And I wanted it to have that sense of longing in it. I wanted um, so many levels, you know, um, you know, it comes down to language. Um, but I wanted it to be true, and I wanted, I suppose, particularly for this story, I wanted it to be, yes, I wanted it to be, to be that way. Not simple, but, but ease. You know, you know the way ease, ease is no small thing. That's what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ease is no small thing. When I finished reading this story, I made a note that it is a deceptively easy read that belies a lot of, you know, loss. You write a lot between the texts, where some writers are very explicit in their writing in terms that they're very descriptive and they tell you, you know, what is going to happen. You, I, um, The Fisherman Stew for me as a reader, it calls for the reader to be intuitive. You know, there is, there is a bit, um, there is an exchange between the couple that was very, you know, um, where you were explicit but then the heart of the story is implied, is very implicit, and it calls for the reader to, um, it calls for the reader to imagine what is not being said, imagine what is not being communicated, because it is also a story of, in my opinion, what is left unsaid, you know? There is a, there is a psychological song and dance going on, between our protagonist, Nimi, and her friend, Ibifuru. You know, there's a psychological do- song and dance going on there. There is a psychological dance between Nimi um, and, and Alice, you know, her relative. But then you, the reader, it seems as if the reader is elevated and sort of suspended in the air in this story. You're sort of watching all of this take place from above. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. I'm sorry, but I just like, <laughs> I, like, I, like, I, like I like I feel red, you know, like I like the things you're saying. I'm just like, oh yes, that's 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 <laughs> I'm kind of I'm coverting them, you know, they sound so beautiful. <laughs> I hope I hope every reader think, you know sees that. No, I'm always fascinated about the psychology, you know, the psychology of the writer, how you are able to present this, you know, this, the writer's mind, how you are able to craft this for the reader to perceive and receive. Um, to respond to what you were saying about that, that is, um, maybe I should say something about that first, just um, because there's a friend, one of my friends registered and sent me a text saying, and they're speaking about like sort of silences and end stories, you know, what you say and what you don't say. Of course, um, I mean, you can't say everything. So, um, of course, so you're making choices and what, and I think, 
um, I mean, you're telling the reader something, of course, with you know by writing a story. But I also, for me, for me, reading is um, it's an activity that I get just a lot of pleasure, you know, real pleasure, uh, and that's what that's what writing is for me. And uh, and in some way, this story, I'm probably I was writing to that. I wanted to read. I want to write something that, even though the material is dark, I wanted to still, I wanted to give pleasure of some sort, you know. So um, I'm 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 loyal. I'm loyal to um, you know to readership. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm fundamentally a reader. You know, probably because before I'm anything else. You know, so um, and I don't know. I can't. I can't. You know, in any way talk about. The psychology of the writer. I just don't have that perspective to children. But um, my own, what I'm aware of is um, if I'm going to tell point of view is so, it's such an important thing. And to what is it to see from someone's eyes? What is it to see the world from somewhere? What is it to, and um, and I and I try to to be accurate to immerse myself in. I want to know, you know, I want to, what it's like to be somebody else because we see differently. And so for me, these are probably you know questions you know that I'm trying to work out on the page, and then it comes out to the story. But as I was thinking about them, and and um, those are the questions that kind of drive me. You know, um, why do I not understand? You know, and. Um, and what do I have to do to understand? And uh, and I think what I wanted to do with this story is to is to make the reader see. And uh, and um, probably my method is just not. Um, I wanted to seduce. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> coming out now. We got there yeah, in the man, end. I put it out there, like you know, that's the problem with me. Like you know, I will talk at the edge, go like, oh no, I just want to seduce, you know. Someday I might want to impress my folks, but not today, you know. <laughs> not with that story, you know. I wanted, to, I wanted, I wanted to play, and but then you're also aware that you know, there's this big thing that's happened. You know, it's the most, you know, there's this, you know, there's love and there's death. You know, that's um, yeah, and that it can happen, and they happen to this woman. And uh, I think that's also my own sort of uh, sort of locating that story. You know, just writing a particular woman that's somehow in between class. These are people I know. Yeah, but because my only motivation was to see it correctly and to see it well and to, to see it from different angles, you know, to see it. Um, and I wasn't there to, to tell the reader what to believe. I wanted to describe what was most important in the context, what was there. I wanted to, but that's why it was really important for me to put her um, in community. And of course, I made decisions while writing. You know, she was not someone who was completely. She was not someone without um, support in in you know support in the community. She you know she had people in church who would come to see her. And that's that's also a reflection of that. What that's just how it is. Those things, you know, people will look in, you know, and sometimes it's kind of overbearing. I suppose I wanted to, my own sort of mild, you know. I mean, I love 
you know, where I grew up, but it's just so that, you know, people come into your life, they, you know, they're, we're not particularly polite in that. We can sometimes impress by force, you know, tough love, like, you know, you knock on the door and say, and you come in, you know, when I was three years ago, when I was back in Port Harcourt, you know, I was used to, you know, shutting myself in in England if I want to write. But there in Port Harcourt, people knock at my door 9 a.m., you know, and they know I'm in and they know I don't want to answer the door. And they will say, knock, 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 he's there, he'll open, you know. <laughs> it's that sort of, um, and it can be irritating, but it's also an expression of, of love, you know, um, of community of concern. And I wanted to, I wanted to show that, you know, that she, those were not, those were not her problems. That she had those things. She, she wasn't completely bereft, but she also wanted something. She had her own vision. I wanted to show the person. And so many things informed probably that character coming together in that way. Also, just have been an older woman, you know, and um, we see people different. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Friendly. Um... We see people with gender differently. We see with age differently. And, um, and I think just realizing that, you know, how people are seen sometimes not always the way they are. I mean, just for your listeners out there, I mean, I have a reputation for rambling. So, um, Do you? Um, it doesn't so show people, in your writing. Yeah. Um, it doesn't show in your writing. That's because I'm really like brutal with myself. <laughs> Like I said, I rewrite a lot. I cut off all the excess, you know. Um, this probably thing with this is that I don't have. We we can edit this. You see, we can edit our conversation. Says so, who? Um, if we I, can. What I mean, I I'm, I'm not doing the editing. So if you gave it to me to edit, you know, Nothing they'll probably out. find they'll <laughs> probably find the whole thing will be like two minutes thirty three seconds, you know, because. Um, you know, my, uh, my perfectionism would just set in. I would just go like, Joe, I don't like your tone. Then. People would think you're mean. <laughs> <crap."> <laughs> See? See? One thing we do know about, as a reader, having read it and not wanting to give away spoilers, is that our protagonist, Nimi, she has some nocturnal adventures. 
that she is reluctant to disclose, to disclose mm-hmm. to her friends and relatives for fear of, um, you know, that theme, because, you know, around the theme of madness, because I liked how you said, okay, you know, people question whether or not, um, the question whether or not, the question has sanity, some readers question her sanity, um, and it's also that line between what is real and what is not real, you know, who determines sanity, who determines normality, who determines what is real, right, and so, in wanting to understand Nimi more and her motivations, I asked you, if Nimi was a living or a dead musician, who would they be? And which song from the artist's discography best embodies Nimi's story in Fisherman's Stew? Shade. <laughs> which song? Yeah, um, so I picked Shade and uh, the sweetest taboo. I couldn't decide what Shade song to pick just because Shade is, um, you know, she's dreamy and beautiful. Her songs are also, you know, about life and love and they're honest about it and beautiful. But, you know, Shade is, you know, Shade gives me life. I grew up listening to Shade and um, and I thought of Sweetest Taboo. And I think after I picked it, I was like, oh yeah, Sweetest Taboo. Thinking, you know, how much, how, how is a woman, how is a person, you know, this particular person, how is she allowed, is she allowed to have a private life, a life of her own, a life that, you know, by private, I just mean pause, you know, and uh, what space, how, how far can that encroach to public life? Yeah, just probably my own politics about what you were talking about, what you were saying about, um, you know, what, what put my core madness, you know, which I think is political. I know I mean this in a very loose. Yeah, I'm really asking those questions, what is reality, you know, I'm, and I'm not trying to be intellectually dishonest, you know, I'm just saying, you know, that we do see the world differently and, uh, you know, take different pleasures from it. And so, I mean, Shadi's Sweetest Taboo is, is beautiful and it's about love, it's, but it's also about, obviously, from the title, it's, you know, transgressive, but she was celebrating it. And um, yeah, so in summary, you know, um, Shade is giving us the right to celebrate transgressive love. Sweetest taboo. For <laughs> <laughs> me, look at that syncopation just going. There's a crossroad. There's a crossroad. <laughs> The title is just so perfect for Fisherman Stew because Stew is sweet and Nimi's adventures are a taboo, you know? So it's like sweet, taboo. They've no. been it at home. They didn't know what Shadi was really telling them. You know? They needed they to cross know. the line. Cross the line, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to ask you this. After reading the story and in preparation for this discussion, I started thinking about how men write women right? Um, because Fisherman's Stew is about a woman, uh, a woman and her lover. 
Oh, because I mean, I'm going to ask this question, but I don't want to give anything away because, you know, there's a review like, oh, it's about a woman and her lover. So a woman's lover who has who is absent for a while and the lover returns. You're not sure how long the lover has been gone for. You're not sure if the lover is always present. We know that she has been married for 50 years. We know that. And we know that she's deeply, irrevocably in love with her husband. I mean, it is one of those love that transcends time and that transcends space. You know, when people talk about soulmate and, you know, people use the term soul ties. It is, you know, they are tied physically, emotionally, spiritually, and otherwise. It's, it's, it's a really powerful love story, Johor. And, and the thing I thought to myself was, wow, you know, to write a story, an older couple whose who's, um, desire for each other is still as... Um, it's still as virulent as young people, you know, you write them as if they were young. If one did not read between the line, you wouldn't know that they're actually very mature in age. Now, the thing about the story is that there are two markers in the story, right? Um, we know that Nimi's husband, I like to call him a lover because the word lover just has a whole, you know, it's got a very romantic sound to it, you know. Nimi's husband, her lover, he, he works, he comes home and they have this really lovely time together. But you know that she, when he's away, she misses him deeply and she misses him profoundly. It got me thinking, and also as the, as, um, the reader, you're not sure how long her husband goes away for for her to miss him as much as she does you're not sure if it's only maybe if it's minutes hours days you're just not sure because time is the way you wrote it time is just is fluid you know there is no clear timeline or time structure now thinking about gender politics in writing and literary mm -hmm. representation mm -hmm. the primary characters in the fishermen's in fishermen's to are women. My question is this now, me assuming I'm stepping out of this and I'm assuming that her lover has been away for a very long time. And this is me reading it from a different lens, right? From a, from there you go. If I'm reading it from an antagonistic lens, antagonistic okay. in the context of wanting to antagonize you as you know, you as a writer, I want to antagonize you as the, as uh, as a writer, right? Bring it, bring the question. You already, <laughs> you see all this, all this, like, mm, ah, start and stop, start and stop. You're like, oh, yeah, just ask the question, you know? <laughs> you know? You know. Just tell me, tell me you're bringing out the dagger, you know, and I'll be like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> at least you're telling me to, you know, beware. <laughs> yeah, no, because my question to you is this, why, does Nimi wait so long? Um, why does she wait so long? And why does she not take for herself other an other lover? I think to put it more, to distill my question is, does Nimi have agency in her relationship? Does, he, does she have agency over her romantic affairs? You know, does she, how much ownership does she have over her romantic life? In that we're celebrating this, this, wonderful you know um wonderful fantasy of a romantic love between these two people 
one has mm -hmm. been gone for a long time the other one is pining for for the one that has gone i'm assuming he's gone for a very long time um why did she why did she not have agency to take on a new lover and why did you choose to write her that way and if she was a man would you have written him that way uh-huh mm -hmm. i hear you i hear you um i think she has agency um and it's also a, probably an explicit answer to that question is somewhere tucked away in the story. Um, probably the part of the story where you also say um, that was explicit. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that way, you know, um, and then you see that, um, you know, that they had, in some way, one way to read that is that, you know, they also had a contract, they had a deal, you know. Um, and they had a, you know, um, that they had a deal, they knew, they knew what to do, and she was doing what, you know, she was, so she, yeah, she had agency, and, um, and I think the story shows, also waiting is agency. Waiting is an action. Waiting is, um, waiting is choosing. Actually, maybe I could, yeah, she, I mean, the story, um, all of the story is really about her exercising her agency, you know, even to a point that some people might find, you know, extreme, extreme. I mean, um, you know, she, that story, I think she was said to be incredibly powerful. I was conscious of gender. I could not have been conscious of gender. And, um, and I see, I also wanted to write this story that the women I recognized, you know, in way that, that I don't see in literature, something that I don't see enough of in literature, you know. And this was a woman who wanted something for herself. Yeah, so she had a lot of agency, and uh, I think because she was choosing, and what she was choosing wasn't probably what other people would want for her, but that was her choice. Mm -hmm. And she went about it the way she knew best. So I would, I, would, I, would, I would disagree that she does have it. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. I told I'm you. I'm like, what? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was going to be the antagonistic interviewer. I know, I know. Okay. I should have also told you to beware. Like In the story, Fisherman Stew, there's a character that is positioned as the voice of reason, you know, who that is her neighbor whom i keep mentioning ibifuru how is the name pronounced ibifuru ibifuru mm -hmm. it's been a long time you know my goodness what language do you speak i speak oba but ibifuru is um it's a jaw calabari um so there were yeah, yeah. nimi's Nimi character is not um you know she doesn't speak the language i speak but i think i also wanted to represent you know you know put Harcourt in that way. It's um, very, uh, it's very diverse, you know, um, language, I have several languages and, you know, I speak some, but um, yeah, but that space is, is very diverse ethnically. So she's, in my opinion, she's the voice of reason. She's the voice of tradition, you know, and um, mm -hmm. she's also grounded in spirituality because I remember there is a bit where she sings, she's washing clothes and she's singing a song and I checked, I cross-referenced, and the song she's singing is a hymn that is derived from Exodus chapter 15, verse 1. So you can see that this is a woman who's really steeped in the scriptures. You know, she's like, her faith is very much, her self-definition is mm -hmm. bound in her faith. If religion is meant to be 
or rather if religion and faith are meant to be comforting the way these people who are very much embedded in faith and religion they are positioned as um, a discomfort to Nimi right that they in a way to me as a reader reading these they are potential antagonists to Nimi's peace and Nimi's joy and Nimi's um, Nimi's love you know so I ask you assuming Ibifuro has read about Nimi's nocturnal adventures in Fisherman's Stew. How will Ibifuro, Nimi's neighbor and voice of reason and voice of tradition and voice of religious, uh, voice of morality, religious morality, how will Ibifuro respond to the news that Nimi's stories about her adventures has been shortlisted for a prestigious prize? Please select a song that articulates the feeling. Oyeka Wenos Iogogo. And I picked Ebiedna Goliagus's Look Before You Cross. questions one I would have picked two for this question because um you said when you asked him they looked like they might antagonize but they also they're the ones who provided soccer you know so it wasn't just one thing there were also um and it was important for me to for, for her to have that for, you know that's um because they also give and then you know love gives and takes you know that's just the way it is you know um and it's within that context, you know, that Mimi was either refusing or accepting, you know, speaking about agency again. And I thought it'd be Furo, but, you know, she has goodwill, so she would celebrate. And I think Yugo Go is you know, a nice celebratory song uh, that I like. I love Oyoko Ueno. And um, Evietna, Look Before You Cross, is um, just a little bit of caution. <laughs> <laughs> I think it should be, yeah, it should be a little, um, you know, just a little skeptical. You know, that's that's what, um, yeah, she might actually view such a prize with suspicion. It's just a little bit, but, you know, it's a prize, so let's celebrate it. That's, um, it's that kind of balanced um, view someone like Ipifuro might have. So, mm. um, and I wanted to use Ipifuro as well, just to pay that, you know, that question, to pay homage to, you know, to 80s Nigerian music. <laughs> I disagree with you about Ibifuro's, that Ibifuro would be supportive to Nimi. I disagree because um, I just turned into, I just turned to a page that told me why I disagree that, Nimi, that Ibifuro would be in support. Um, do you mind reading it if I tell you where it is? Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> As she watched Ibufuro peg her washing on the line, she could taste again Benji's 
salmon in breath on her tongue. She could still feel on her waist the firm grip of his hands where, from where he had lifted her while on his knees last night, gently, easily, and she reckoned with the words of her people that when we return, we do so in the bigger views. Benji came to me last night, Nimi repeated. Ibifuro swung round towards Nimi, the bulk of the woman breast swaying under her nightdress. A plastic peg slid out of her hand, but she kept her eyes fixed on Nimi. Mama Ibifuro pleaded. Nimi looked away. She knew what would follow. Ibifuro would immediately call or text Alice and she would come over. Pastor Sage would casually drop in the next day to spend time with Nimi. The church's women's group would pick an afternoon to lavish her, cleaning and sweeping, preparing meals for her that would go to waste while dishing at admonitions. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I'm, I, I suppose my point is that I don't think, so it's not one thing or the other. It's not um, like, you know, she has support, which, you know, Basically, you can have support and still have um, just things restrain your dreams, you know? You might want to be a singer, you know, and your parents want you to do something. You know, they, give you, they give you the money you need, but they tell you that's not what you're supposed to be doing. That's also a different kind of pressure, but it doesn't mean, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it, it's complicated, you know? <laughs> I, said, I don't think it's simple. Yeah, there are real people who want her to do, who want her to do well, but what's their idea of her doing well, you see? Mm. She got support, but what she wanted was more than that. And she was happy mm. to, you know, to do what it takes. And so we're speaking earlier on about your writing process. And so in that spirit, I asked you to imagine that you are a musician creating a masterpiece in the form of Fisherman's Stew. Which musician comes to mind and which song from their discography best convey your process of writing Fisherman's Stew? I picked um, Miles Davis' Rendezvous with them and I picked by Frank Ocean's. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I kind of, you know, um, you know, I kind of give myself a wink wink when I pick. I love Miles Davis, you know, of course. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, pick a Miles song. I love Rendezvous to Down. Yeah, they just got a groove, you know. Uh, Miles got, you know, Rendezvous to Down. You know, it's... Um, and the nights, Frank Ocean's, I think because it changes, you know, he kind of you know, switches a lot in that song. Every night, every day, every And the first time actually I, I really listened to that song, I wasn't, sometimes I'm caught up from popular culture and just like not paying attention for a while. And then I pay attention. 
And so when, uh, I think this song, Frank Ocean's was already popular for a long time and I hadn't really paid attention to his record. And I was listening to Spotify one evening. I had played a song, like, you know the way you start playing suggestions. And I played that song, like, oh, what song is that? And I go and I check, you know? And that's how I became a fan of Frank Ocean's. And I really, really love that song. I just think it's beautiful songwriting. And um, I just wanted it to be associated with my process of writing. My own process is just not as interesting. <laughs> I, um, I write in spurts, you know, I, I try, I'm more obsessive than disciplined, to be honest. I try to have, um, I look at my work, I, you know, you do the part you do, which is I can come here and sit at a desk and look at my work. It's a kind of dance between, <laughs> Sometimes though, when, uh, when it's going well, you know, I can just, I'm obsessive, you know, I, I can shut myself in for five days, you know, mm. um, before this, um, probably not five days, you know, I'll still, I'll get food. But um, when the story was going just for the mm -hmm. final bit, the editing process, just, um, yeah, they had to basically drag it out of my hands. I got this really <laughs> wise email from my editor, Civil and I just saying, no, um, Joho, just, just let it go. <laughs> um, because, you know, you receive this story and then when, when you go like, I'm just supposed to take out commas and then, you know, I take out 100 words or 150, you know, I just, I cut a lot. I'm a, I'm a big prune. I love editing, you know, I love, I, I love the editing process, you know. Um, I also have to be told to let go. Um, that's <laughs> why I really had Frank Ocean's in it, just to say it's never really one continuous process of sitting at my desk for weeks and weeks. It's, um, I do a first draft and then, you know, I look at it and after a while, when I think it's ready, I print it out, I mark it, you know, I, I carry it about to a coffee shop. I'm obsessive, you know. So it's, it's all about the groove. It's all about the groove. That's why you have miles. <laughs> You know the thing with um, <laughs> you hear that you just want to move. It's all about the rhythm, you know. <laughs> you know it's not the, the timetable. With Miles runs the voodoo down because the song is actually called Miles runs the voodoo, the voodoo down. down. You're chasing that which cannot be caught, you know, which is you're trying to put the you're trying to make the intangible tangible as a writer so you're trying to commit that which you receive in your mind into a different form which is writing right and then you're mm -hmm. you know committed committing it to ink and a different person reads it but as a reader you're mediating what you receive in your mind to what is presented on paper how do you mediate your inspiration to the reader's reception i'm really excited to hear that you enjoy the process of editing because let's be honest that is the bit where people are like fab just get out of here i don't like you because the process of editing is literally where to for want of a better word it is where you see and face your demon you know where you know on the page your first draft is just the rough sketch the rough edits right and then the process of drafting and redrafting is like you are rebirthing remolding and you're trying to fine-tune the flaws so what is it about this process that is particularly maybe the word i, I know that the word i'm going to use uh, may not be in agreement with you but i'm going to use it anyways and so please correct me 
what is it about the editing process that is pleasurable for you is it pleasurable or is it some sort of self-flagellation that is going on with your over processing and over editing um i mean you pick i don't know i don't know which one it is you know um no but i i i don't i don't write what i don't like so there's already um um i have to want to do it Mm. I have to want to do it, you know, the, the, really the beat I'm dancing to, um, I don't even, I think that's why I also picked Mars because it didn't have lyrics in it, because um, the writing process, it's really what it is, you know, my commitment is actually just to, to actually write and to be honest with them. If it's not going, it's not going. Fisherman's Stew, I had it in two sittings, like, you know, the bone, the, the heart of the story was there. And I put it away, you know, um, editing for me is um, a way of looking at it again, you know, and editing, I'm, you know, publishing, I want to, I want, I just want to see it again. I want to see it with fresh eyes. You want what's in your head to be what's on the page, you know, uh, and what um, this story wasn't this story in my head, you know, I'm pursuing smells and, and sounds and feelings I can't place my finger on and then it happens on lang- with language on the page and you just um, keep you try I suppose that's that's you know that's the whole process I suppose I don't know why but I know that if I'm not happy with it even after you know it was already to be published like I won't it's just I, I suppose that says something about me that you know I'm not very wise <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, I don't like what I don't like, you know. I'm also like that, you know, when I'm reading a story, like, you know, if I don't like it, I just put it aside, you know. I'm irritable, and I'm irritable with my own work. It's not honest, it's not. So what is it doing there? You know, take it out, take it out, take it out, you know. Or, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it's not painful. I suppose I enjoy it because it's always it's better than having a blank page. A blank page, you have nothing. But with editing, you have something, and then you can make it better. But then better. It's, um, you know, what, what your better is, is now, you know, that's your work. Speaking of what, so you said, what is, is editing is all about making the work better and you define what better means to you mm-hmm. as a writer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I asked you, which book or short story collection would you recommend to listeners and readers who wish to read something similar or are looking to further explore the themes in Fisherman's Dew, and pair your book selections with songs. So uh, what music did I pick for that? You picked Trouble Sleep, Young Gang Awakened. Now it's you defined, Palava, you defined. Tunage, tunage, that's a tunage. Now, <laughs> my listeners that have to endure my singing, that was um, Trouble Sleep, Yangan Wicam by Fela Kuti. But I think um, 
just for kind of almost like downbeat. I think that was one of his later albums where he just like goes on this groove. Even that song before he starts singing in it, it's probably like, I don't know, six minutes, you know, and- um, Nine minutes of intro. It's a long yeah. song, just intro, an iconic intro to that song. The intro is iconic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, if I, can I ask you, why do you, I mean, why do you like that song? Why do I like that song? I think, um, I just love it. You know, I can then, you know, describe, <laughs> you know, it's about the frequencies, about, you know, as you said, it's about the vibe. He was just, um, musically, you know, he was doing something specific, of course, you know, and uh, I, I just needed that song to be on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, nah. I was just like, oh no, they got to have this one too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm sick with that. Really, I'm sick with an evangelist for like the things I love. You know, I just want to like push them all out in the world. Then I find like persuasive ways to like say this is why it's good. But I'm just like, get on the program. Listen to some when trouble sleep. <laughs> That's why you're a writer. This is what writers do. You convert other people to a way of thinking. I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just ready to admit it. Um, <laughs> I picked I picked Lesson Nekarimo's book and um I love I love that collection. What it means when a man falls from the sky. Yeah, it's um again, I picked it because I you know I loved, I just enjoyed reading it. Yeah, I pick things really for the enjoyment they give, especially for reading. Um more and more I read for I want just to read for the pleasure of it. And I'm not saying it has to be easy, I just mean that, you know. I want to like it, you know, and that's usually my reason. So I like that. I like, you know, some of the stories there were just like, you know, beautiful and fun, dark, you know, <laughs> and playful. <laughs> so, um, and I picked um, um, Kiwaker's um, cookbook. Uh, what's the full title? I forget. Oh, yes. Quint- quintessentially Ethic Recipes, Foods of Nigeria by Nki Iweka. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just wanted to give an opportunity, you know, to use that opportunity as well to talk about, you know, um, cookbooks, books about food, and also, um, yeah, I saw that I saw that book in London. She she's actually a friend of mine, and she wrote that book. She she has she she's a cook. She has, she has a restaurant as well, and also um, Yemisi uh, Arabisala's um, uh, book. I enjoyed long short memoirs. I just enjoyed reading, you know, and um, it's a lot of fun, you know. It's talking about food, not you know recipe measurement, but just talking about food in a really deep way and talking about culture. And it was just funny. It made me laugh a lot, you know. So um, I like things that are fun. I like things that are. It can be fun and serious at the same time. <laughs> Dark and light, you know. Um, so yeah. And you also picked another song by Nina Simone, Lilac Wine. Lilac Wine, yeah, that's a beautiful song. So of the three stories, so you picked up What It Means When a Man Falls from the Sky by Leslie Neka Arima. You also mm-hmm. picked Quintess- Quintessentially Ethic Recipes, Foods of Nigeria by Unki Iweka. Then Long yeah, Throat yeah. Memoirs, Soup, Sex and Nigerian Taste Board by Yemisi Aribisala. Mm-hmm. Now, you picked two songs. Well, we now know that Trouble Sleep Younger Will Come by Fella was just because you like the song, does it? But you picked another song, Lilac Wine by Nina Simone. So which does Lilac Wine by Nina Simone, I like that it's Lilac Wine, which is also, you know, you eat, you know, uh, drinks complement food. So you picked 
you know, two cookbooks and a song about drink. Why mm. that song selection? I didn't think about that when I was picking it. Um, again, I was thinking about the story and thinking about the music I like. I like Nina Simone, I like, you know, Fela Kuti and um, Lilac Wine, it's Nina Simone. It's a very romantic, very, um, very Nina. I lost myself on a cool, damp night Gave myself in that misty light Was hypnotized by strange delight Under a lilac tree I made wine from the lilac tree Put my heart in its recipe Quite vulnerable. Um... Actually, it's just a beautiful song. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember thinking about it and just playing it as well when I was, um, you know, because um, each time I think about it, I'll play it to actually listen to it and see why I picked it, you know. And um, it's a beautiful love song. Um, and if, you know, anyone is thinking about some of the themes in that story, it'll be, you know, they can listen to Lilac Wine and fall in love with, you know, Simone as I have. And, um, Felakuti when trouble sleep, it's it's playful, but it's also very uh, just down downbeat vibration, just going with the groove, you know. And um, and yeah, so I'm all about that spiritual energy, you know. <laughs> that you know, <laughs> whatever name you want to call it, the universe, you know, or just inside yourself, you know, just get with the movement. You know? yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which I, I still am very much surprised that you enjoy the process of editing because I'm sorry, editing is like uh, part of my language. Editing is a bitch. It's like, oh my goodness. Oh. It is, it is. And, and don't get me wrong, I fight as well through it. Like, this is not like, you know, they'll say, by, you know, they'll say, you know, can you change this word? I, I, you know, there was a auto, would you want to review? I'm like, perhaps not. You know, <laughs> what I mean, I'm not, I'm not changing it. I'm not changing it. Like, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, so it's not that I'm changing everything. No, yeah. I'm not changing everything. I'm, I'm changing. There's some things people want me to change that I don't change. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. yeah. I will look for a way to make it work. Of course, I'll say it now. You know, you look for. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing. That's another. If you have a good editor who sees the story, um, all you have to do is walk. Hey, I can do. You know I mean, I can. I'm happy to push back when I have no problem saying, oh, like, you know, to talk about something where disagreeing is okay with me, with respect and love, all of those things. But I'm also very stubborn, you know, I don't know if it's, I'm willful, like if I don't want something, I don't want it, you know, and I can, I can exert my agent. So I demand the same thing from people as well. Like, you know, if you don't like it, say, let's, you know, let's do it. You know, this has been really, really, this has been a lot of fun for me. <laughs> oh, I'm so pleased because the point is for um is for guests to feel comfortable. That's what I want. I want you to feel comfortable. Thank you. But thank you for your work. You know, I'm 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 a fanboy for books and literature. So you know, I'm also on the other side of um of consuming um you know that product. You know of um 
musings about books, about literature, about culture, um, you know, in a fun way, but in a way that's also informative, that's revelatory. That's good work. That's good work. And long may it continue. I really appreciate it. I mean, hey, that's why we're here, you know. <laughs> it's because I I'm saw so it, you know, it was the first thing I said. I'm doing this one, you know. Um. <laughs> so for listeners of the podcast who enjoyed hearing you talk about your work, um, where can they find you on social media if you have a website and also other books you've written that they can purchase? Um, my first novel, or my only novel, is uh, An After Many Days. And... Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm a you know, um, Joho Ile, um, and I'm on Instagram Joho Ile as well. So J O W H O R I L E. You know, um, I'm more like an Instagram. I, I prefer Instagram to Twitter, um, but you know, I have an account on Twitter. But I love Instagram. I go there to play. I go there to talk about fun stuff and serious things. It's just you know, it's my space. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Books and Rhymes. When I tell you I have so much fun producing and conducting these interviews as I hope you have listening to them. Get in touch with us. What do you think of the episode? What do you like? Are there further conversations you want to have? Send us an email to booksandrhymes at gmail.com. Tweet your thoughts by using the hashtag Books and Rhymes. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Books and Rhymes. That's Books and Rhymes. The song you heard in the intro and outro of this podcast is titled Reset by Miyakum. That's Miyakum spelled M for mother, E-A-K-O-O-M for mother. The song is available on Bandcamp and you can click the link in the show notes. Let us know what you think by sending us an email. Our email address is booksandrhymes at gmail.com. That's booksandrhymes at gmail.com. Tell your friends about the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes. Tell us what you think. Tell other people what you think and just help us grow because, you know, we're doing great things and we're platforming literature by wonderful writers who are referencing great music and great writing. So have a great day and see you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.